Welcome to episode 89 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I am your host, Evan Riggs, joined once again by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and producer, Johnny Pham. We've got Johnny over here huffing on the inhaler, eating Halloween candy. We have Dalton with the chronic headache and me scarfing down chicken and rice before we start this. We are, we are all very old, very washed, very ready to talk about fantasy football. But, Johnny, I hear you didn't finish handing out your candy on, on Halloween. What's up with that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't think we were going to reveal medical secrets out here. That's kind of a, a HIPAA thing, maybe. But, it's HIPAA. Uh, HIPAA. Yeah, we uh we had a whole huge basket of candy. This is why I need the inhaler. But we had a whole basket of candy and like five kids came through, so I'm just eating away. So you guys know my wife and how much she loves <laughs> Halloween. Last year was our first year in our house, and I think we had three or four trick-or-treaters which is kind of depressing because I think we have more kids on our block than that, or at least like that's, I think maybe we had all of the kids on the block, like something like that. Um, this year, I mean, I don't know if I sent you guys a picture of our house, but we, we bought $150 like decorations at Sam's. Like she already had other decorations. Like our house is like the freaking bat signal for trick-or-treaters. <laughs> but still I, I was concerned. I, I, I didn't think that we were going to get very many trick-or-treaters. She, orders these bags on Amazon and, and fills them all with candy, 24 bags. I'm thinking there's just no shot. We're going to give these all away. We'd only had our porch light on for maybe like 45 minutes. And she already given 20 of them away. So it then the opposite react. Cause you know, like, I don't know about you guys, but like if I'm handing out candy, I get to the end, like that's it. I'm done. I don't care how early it is. She sent me to the store to get more candy. No Halloween candy left at Hy-Vee. Already had Christmas candy out at Hy-Vee when I went, which was jarring. I come home with a bag of Snickers NFL, like little Snickers minis, and they had like the NFL X's and O's all over them, some Reese's, some full-size candy bars, and we handed out the last four bags, and that is it. We did not hand out a single piece of the candy I went and bought, so we have a ton of candy after having a ton of trick-or-treaters make that one make sense wow <laughs> um well as you guys know i recently moved into a house and as a result i expected to have trick-or-treaters because i'm no longer in an apartment uh-huh i got off work monday and i was like you know what i should probably go get some candy for the trick-or-treaters i go to target just like you, Evan. You didn't think about getting any candy till no, Monday. <laughs> didn't, no, didn't at all. Uh, go to Target. Christmas decorations everywhere. There's no Halloween candy. I look around. The only bag of candy that I could find is organic chocolate. But it's like a... Why would they do that? But it's a giant bag. And it's literally the only bag of candy in the, the, the leftover Halloween section. I was like, you know what? <laughs> We're just going to do it. I get no trick-or-treaters. Zero. It's probably a good thing. Your house would have been egged or more to the point. Brian's house would have been egged. Organic chocolate. I'm not going to eat. And I can't give it to the dog. There's no win. Yes, obviously you can't give it to the dog. Glad we have that established. Uh, do Do you guys have any Halloween decorations outside? 
No, and someone did point out that I had my porch light off. Well, okay. Well, so there's <laughs> there's two problems. I think a quick fix for next year, we get real chocolate, we get decorations out, and we flip that porch light on, we, we give it a second try. I, you know, I'm going to save the chocolate for next year. <laughs> it's going you know, into storage. You know what was not saved for next year, guys, was all of these NFL trades. We had 10 trades before the just like I, I don't know if that's including the cmc trade it might be 10 trade deadline deals which i don't remember it was like either the most or second most it's up there for the most deadline deals and believe it or not we actually had some guys of kind of fantasy relevance uh, a couple of guys who are, who are going to be starters for for a lot of teams on the move we already talked about the mccaffrey deal last week so we won't rehash that one but I think probably the most notable player that got traded, and I will say, after we talk about this trade deadline stuff, we have a couple of other topics to, to bounce around at the end before we get out of here. First, and probably the biggest trade, is TJ Hawkinson. Uh, the Vikings and Lions are teaching the NFL that you can do interdimension or inner division, excuse me. Interdimensional training. That would, be, that would be something. That would be something. That is definitely like a light years ahead thing, a Warriors thing, interdimension trading. You can trade with your division. I mean, that's how the Lions ended up with Jamison Williams, was trading up to 12 with the Vikings. And now TJ Hawkinson is traded to the Vikings. Irv Smith headed to the IR with the ankle sprain. We, it kind of seemed like he was going to be out for a little while once we got word of that trade. And then it's like, oh, eight to 10 weeks. So he is not in the picture at all for the rest of the season. Not that he was going to threaten Hawkinson, but he maybe could have been annoying. Now, TJ Hawkinson, obviously very clear starting tight end. Dalton, I'm just curious what, what your fantasy reaction is to, to this deal for all sides. I mean, when it comes to Kirk Cousins' fantasy value, I like it. In a real-life NFL situation, you and I kind of talked about it. I think the trade's just a little weird. I don't I don't think this is really what gets the Vikings over any any edge mm-hmm. in winning their games. Uh, there was a fun stat going around after the trade that TJ Hawkinson was first in the league in Yak or second only to um, Christian McCaffrey. And then yeah, you, you know go why? and you break it, it down. It, it, it's because it's just that one game. I'm yeah, exactly. It, to say, it's right? a single game where he was getting single covered by a slow linebacker and he was able to out outrun him. I don't think this really changes anything for TJ Hawkinson and me. I think he's still like tight end. 7 to 12 weekly. Mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson and uh, Adam Thielen, as long as he's healthy, I know he came back into the game last week, are going to outcompete him for targets, and Dalvin Cook is still going to get his. I don't necessarily think he's any better than Irv Smith, and I think a lot of his fantasy... I disagree with that. I do think he's better than Irv Smith. And I think a lot of his fantasy relevance in Detroit was just uh, he was a target hog because they didn't have a lot around him to do it. I- I'm going to slight disagree. I, I will say, like, I don't think this is changing the world for TJ Hawkinson. Like if you thought he was a top, we'll say if you thought he was a top nine to 12 tight end before this trade or like, okay. I thought he was a top nine to 12 tight end before this trade. Now I would go more in like the seven to 10. So like a very slight bump, you're still starting him every week. You were starting him every week before this. Um, as you said, a lot of his production it's come in one game. He's been very up and down this year, but that's obviously almost the entire position outside of a couple of guys. I do think he is a talented player, and I do think he just has never been in a situation that's that's been particularly good. Um, obviously, 
uh, just from a pure like offensive stamp standpoint, they put up some fantasy numbers for some guys there, but maybe the Vikings offense is more consistent. And I still do think the bottom line is though, if, if you want Hawkinson, like you're, you're not sprinting to go buy TJ Hawkinson because he got traded to the Vikings. You're also not sprinting to go sell Hawkinson. I don't think either because he got traded to the Vikings. I think whatever you thought of him before, probably pretty similar to now. I do just think he is better than Irv Smith. And he does, like you mentioned, Adam Thielen's health, which is a question right now and will probably just always be a question because he's in his lower 30s and he's had a lot of lower body injuries. If something were to happen to Thielen, then Hawkinson does have more upside than he would have ever had in Detroit. But yeah, I I think this is a pre- pretty much a wash or pretty close to it. What I am interested in as well is what does this do to, to the guys he left behind in, in Detroit? Like, is Amon Ross St. Brown just going to get 18 targets a game and be a top 12 receiver the rest of the way? I I, I personally am going to say no because I just don't like those kinds of arguments. But I know that argument is going to be out there. And, I mean, I can't deny that he has a better chance to get more targets now than he did a week ago with that Hawkins in there. Yeah, I mean, there might be – there are more targets available, obviously. That's how it works. But it's uh, he was getting eight receptions a game. I mean, it's going to be hard for me to tell you, yeah, he's going to get ten receptions a game now. Mm-hmm. I think he's pretty close to his ceiling, and his ceiling is a top, like, six wide receiver in the NFL yep. when he was fully healthy. Um, a little more excited if we get to see it this year for the return of Jamison Williams. God, I hope so, man. It's just, I, it's just, I, I just get more pessimistic as the weeks go on that we're going to see that. I do think in deeper leagues, Josh Reynolds becomes a little bit more of a must-add yeah. in this situation. Talented player, can play up the seam like Hawkinson did. I What I'm not doing is I saw a lot of people rushing to add the backups in Detroit. Only that in is, a dynasty league. And even yes. then, I don't think I am, but not in a redraft league. I'm not doing that for sure. Yeah. I think out of anybody on that team at this point, I'd probably shoot for Josh Reynolds if I was seeing if somebody was going to be the beneficiary of it. But mm-hmm. even then, like you said, I don't think this moves the needle in a lot of ways for a lot of positions. Mm-hmm. Um, agree with you there. I think, did, did we cover every angle that, that you had in mind for that trade? I, there's really nothing else that I want to discuss from either of these teams, frankly. Yeah, I think that's all. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll get to Trey's question in the chat before we move on, before I forget about it here. Full PPR, start one, A.J. Dillon, Kyle Pitts, or Devonta Smith? John, I'm going to bring you in because you have to make the A.J. Dillon, Kyle Pitts, not call because you start both of them quite frequently, but you have those two on your team, so you obviously are familiar with their ups and downs, um, and obviously Devonta Smith uh, is the third, but Dalton, I'll start with you and then go to Johnny. Wh- which of these three is is your start? Uh, if I don't, if I have a different tight end, Cal Pitts is off the list immediately. Uh, I'm assuming I, because he's asking receiver and running back, this has probably just got to be a flex. Yeah, a flex. Um, unfortunately, I am still very squeamish about starting AJ Dillon right now with the way the Packers have been up and down. And then more Aaron Jones might be the answer just with how well he's playing. Uh, I get the concern about the Eagles running it down. Um, but I mean, I go with Devonta Smith. There's no way the Texans don't triple cover A.J. Brown after what he did last weekend. <laughs> like, there's just no way you don't come out there and not put more guys on him, and it opens up a lot for Devonta Smith. And love that Ertz is your tight end one. That's a great tight end one. 
Uh, so definitely I'm going to go with Devonta Smith. It's a very burnable Texan secondary, so you need one play to really set you up there, and that's definitely in the range of outcomes for Smith and Hurts. Mm-hmm. Johnny? Yeah, if Hurts is your tight end one, I just would shy away from Kyle Pitts. And well, like Don said, A.J. Dillon, I have to start him because all my other RBs are on by, but mm-hmm. I, I would start Devontae Smith. A.J. Dillon kind of sneakily had an okay game. 10 carries, 54 yards, looked good running the ball. Hello, Max. Uh, he only had one reception, so you wish you wish he had more. But I'm going Devonta Smith still. Just wanted to make the point that it wouldn't surprise me in if a week or two we're talking about A.J. Dillon being back on track. I think we saw some signs. He just – Man, he was dragging guys, <laughs> running so hard the other night against the Bills. The thing with Devonta Smith, the thing with the Eagles is I, I think they're either 31st or 32nd in pass attempts in the second half or in fourth quarter. So they've been running it up on teams all season. And Devonta Smith has been uh, an up and down boomer bust wide receiver two, wide receiver three. But, I mean, you said it, the, the Texans secondary – not exactly one to, to write home about. So it doesn't take more than a play or two for him to to make your week. And, yeah, I'm not looking to start Kyle Pitts over, over him off of one good Kyle Pitts week. Yeah, I agree. Okay. The Bears, after seeing Chase Claypool throw for a touchdown, uh, was it last week, two weeks ago, maybe last week, decided, decided to give up their own second-round pick and bring in Chase Claypool as their wide receiver 1A or 1B, depending on how you feel about uh, Darnell Mooney. Let's start with Claypool himself, and then we can touch on the the situation he left behind and then the one he he walks into. Um, Does this change your opinion on Chase Claypool? And I guess what was your opinion on Chase Claypool to begin with, to establish that? Um, I mean, we've been pretty clear from the get-go that we are big Chase Claypool fans. You don't score 10 touchdowns your rookie season and come out uh, looking worse. The reason we don't talk about Chase Claypool as like a potentially elite breakout candidate is because he's been behind absolutely terrible quarterback play. Like so bad that Deontay Johnson, who's second in the NFL in separation right now, I think is wide receiver 46. Uh, (laughs) Really hard to do that. I I think he's like top three in either receptions or targets without a touchdown yet this year. Yeah. And I mean, that's, and this is the same thing we saw last year. Uh, I think Tomlin's a very good coach, but offensively there's a lot to be left behind with this offense, whether it was big Ben or Kenny Pickett now Uh, Claypool, incredibly young, incredibly talented, The Bears are picking up their pass rate every week. Justin Fields, as far as fantasy goes, and even in some like NFL moments, has looked like a good quarterback. Like he's done some really effective things. He's had some moments. Uh, I'm still big on Claypool. I think he's he could be on your waivers in a lot of leagues, and I like the idea of taking a shot at him Mm -hmm. because he has some elite ball playing skills. We've seen it. His, I mean, the very first catch out of his NFL career, he caught it down the sideline and toe tapped it in. It was an incredible I, catch. I just wish, and this is what Matt Harmon complained about before the season. I wish he was better at contested catches because he's, he's huge. <laughs> yeah. He's huge. And he's got good ball tracking skills. But when there's a defender contesting that he's just, he's just not been, been great. I, I don't, I can't, I, I can't really say why, but that seems to be the hole in this game right now, and that's why he's kind of been the big slot. 
and that seems like what he could potentially be uh, with the Bears, and and Mooney can be that that outside deep threat. So I do think those two at least have the ability to complement each other well. I'm with you that you know I thought Claypool was like a eh, probably wide receiver four. Um, maybe he's flex worthy on a good week, which he's had a couple good weeks actually in the last month or so. Um, like, and, and like I said, one of which was because he threw for a touchdown, but ne- neither here nor there. Um, I think he is in a similar range now, but he definitely has more upside to me because uh, the Steelers are like last or second to last and pretty much every passing category right now, besides volume. They, they throw the ball a lot. The Bears don't throw the ball a ton, although, as you mentioned, that is starting to change. But I just I, Fields is a definite upgrade. He's had moments the last couple of weeks. A lot of those are, of course, as a runner. But, I mean, you think of Claypool, if there's a guy that can really benefit from going to the types of quarterbacks he's had, and, and Pickett is still so young, that, and he actually does scramble a little bit, although – his worst moments have seemingly come when he has to go off script and scramble so far uh, case in point, the pick to lose the game against the dolphins where he should have run the ball for 20 yards, but fields, great scrambler. Great. I mean, I mean, you want your receivers to get open to extend the play for him. If Claypool can do that and kind of get out in space a little bit, he is still a beast and you're right. Like a, you don't score 10 touchdowns as a rookie by accident. And last year, the situation was terrible this year. I think it's even worse because the offense is actually worse and they added George Pickens, who's really good to the fold too. So I, I think this does give a little more upside and yeah, if he's on waivers, go add. And I don't hate trading a guy that, I, I don't know, maybe you have a good name on your mind. I don't really, but I don't hate trading a guy that, has been a fringe starter, but you just like, he's been a surprise. He's not a guy that you were counting on and you don't think you're going to be counting on him in the future. Like I don't hate just taking that shot on Claypool and seeing what happens the rest of the way. Yeah. We hate Tyler Algill here and I'd trade Tyler Algill. Yeah. Chase Claypool. That, that's a good one. That's a good <laughs> yeah, one. That's, and I think that's a trade you could get in a lot of leagues. Cordell Patterson practice today too. So yeah. if, if you got someone who's not either following up on that very well, or they just think that Algier is going to continue to have a role, which he probably will have some role. Then I, yeah, I think you could get that done. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it later too, but uh, I might sell on Jeff Wilson hype too. So (laughs) those are, those are definitely two names. Some of these lower tier running backs who have produced, um, I think you could even get crazy and do like David Montgomery and for Claypool and then something else and really bolster your lineup. Um, Those are some options I would look at. Like, I, I think Claypool is a very elite talent. He is very good. So when I say talent, I mean physically. I do not mm-hmm. mean with the skills of the game. Uh, and he has a great opportunity to grow with the quarterback. Darnell Mooney is not a wide receiver one, and he hasn't been. It's not his skill set. Mm-hmm. He'll do a great and job. I, with- and, and I'm not sure Claypool is either, but just both of them being together will, will help both of them. Yes, out. they complement each other very well. Yeah. Yep. Agree with you there. Uh, Naheem Hines traded to the Bills. Zach Moss goes to the Colts. Zach Moss, a zero before. I still think a zero. I think Deion Jackson uh, back in 
in Indianapolis now is is the backup you want, and he looked pretty good in his one chance. And now Jonathan Taylor not practicing uh, as of this recording on on Wednesday. So I think that's that's the skinny on the Colts side of it for the Bills. I mean, they have very obviously wanted a pass catching running back. Tried to get McKissick, drafted James Cook, and that's just not worked out yet so far. Don't think the ship has sailed on that. For as a you know at, on his career, but on the season it's looking pretty dicey with Naheem Hines outside top sixty maybe <laughs> in there now. Uh, yes, I I do think I'm going to lose that James Cook uh, bet, barring injury. So for Chase Edmonds, I think Naheem Hines. Yeah, Chase Edmonds. I'm looking at the next one <laughs> for Naheem Hines. I think that. You might be able to take advantage. You mentioned selling off the hype. I think you could maybe do that here. Like you might be able to elicit a pretty decent offer because I do think if you're a team that has a losing record and Naheem Hines is traded and you think that you're like, oh, great, I can start Naheem Hines and you can help me bounce back these next few weeks. Maybe, but I don't think any of us have any idea. It's a pure guess on everybody's part what his role is going to be. Uh, the next few weeks for the Bills because sometimes guys get worked in pretty quickly and sometimes it takes a little time and they have Cook who is obviously there and and can play a role while Hines gets brought along a little bit for a week or two. So don't hate that idea. I, I think long term, this is awesome for Naheem Hines and not ideal for Devin Singletary. No, Devin Singletary going into the last year. I think this is his last year. Um First thing I'll say, he's played really well. I just don't think he's a good pass catcher in mm-hmm. regards to Devin Singletary, and I, I think the Bills know that pretty well about yes. him by now. Yes, I think so. Uh, I will reiterate a lot of my James Cook talking points to start the season and why I wasn't a big believer of him in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I This seems just like a square peg, round hole situation with Buffalo where they're like, we're not utilizing our running backs in pass catching situations. And they're not because Josh Allen is a, is at quarterback. And it's not a tendency of his, but more importantly, it's probably a better EPA for him to run the ball than it is to check down mm-hmm. to just about any running back not named like Christian McCaffrey in the league. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to continue to be a trend. Uh, if you own Naheem Hines, I agree with you. I would be like positively optimistic about him playing in a better offense. I would not be seeking to trade for Naheem Hines because I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw with James Cook where you're going to be frustrated with his usage. I think he'll be on the field more often. He's also probably going to become their punt returner because Isaiah McKenzie has had some major mental lapses in their kick return game. I think this was a part Can we trade. just get Isaiah McKenzie off the field in, in, in all aspects? Like yes. get Khalil Shakir on the field as a slot receiver. And yeah, get it. I don't really care as much about punt returner, but like, good Lord. Like why, why is he getting these opportunities in the slot when Shakir has been better in limited chances? And like, put James Cook in the slot. Why'd you draft him if you're not going to do that? Yeah. Well, that's the most absurd part here is, you know, the Chiefs, used a first round pick on CEH and then mm-hmm. no longer doubled down on the running back position. Brandon Bean, who's a smart GM is like tripling down on like, we need a pass catching running back. Well, and, and like the price for Heinz is fine. It's like, why are you taking a pass, a guy you just want to be your pass catching running back in, in the second round? I mean, maybe we look dumb and maybe, maybe he's their starting running back and he's awesome after Singletary is gone. But with what we know right now, 
why are you taking a pass catching running back in the second round when you can just go trade whatever it was a fifth or a sixth round pick and get Naheem Hines who I think we all agree is like a good NFL running back above average above average NFL running back I'd say yeah it, it doesn't make sense for fantasy I think that the running back position in Buffalo is just always going to be one of those impossible to really bet on something that's better in best ball because they're just going to have their weeks because the offense is efficient mm -hmm. in a standard scoring league in any league you have to choose your starters it's going to be really hard to talk yourself into them well and, and and I think that's why the most important takeaway is probably Singletary's value getting hurt a little bit because the only way that you can truly count on a, a Buffalo running back being a consistent fantasy producer is when there is only one Buffalo running back being asked to be a consistent fantasy yeah. producer. Like last week, last year, like week 16, 15, 14 for Singletary or, or whenever he had his good stretch. Yeah, basically whenever whenever Zach Moss was no longer getting getting touches. Okay, Dalton. Uh, Chase oh, Edmonds. I just want to say one oh, more thing on, on that. We didn't really touch on it because there's not a lot there. But if I'm a Jonathan Taylor owner, I'm a little worried about him because the Colts – kind of look like they're gonna like they might mail it in i know their record's not horrible but if we get towards later part of the season i don't think it's impossible for them to say you know taylor's ankle's just not there we're gonna shut him down for the year we're not making the playoffs it's it's a it's a very like small concern for me but they kind of suck a lot like really bad this year yeah and I have oh, a, yeah they're terrible they're trash. and i have a major concern that if they get into like week 13 and 14 and they're bad and they're not making the playoffs there's just going to be a we want to preserve our future. And from an organizational standpoint, it probably makes sense. And Taylor is down to like 10 touches a game or goes on IR with an ankle injury. We'll see. I, I don't think there's a lot of uh, future thinking in, <laughs> in Minneapolis a lot of the time the last couple of years. So we'll, we'll see about that one. Uh, Chase Edmonds, you know, the Dolphins paid him. Dalton, the Dolphins paid him. He's going to play. He's going to be their lead running back. He's going to get all these carries. And he's going to get salary dumped to the Broncos in a deal that sends uh, Bradley Chubb to Miami. Chase Edmonds heads to Denver. He is probably going to be in a committee. We are probably going to hear people tell us he's going to end up being the lead back in that committee because I just feel like <laughs> we have to do that with Chase Edmonds everywhere he goes. And Jeff Wilson, a small part of that trade, or actually a separate trade, sorry, um, going from San Francisco to Miami. Let's start in Denver real quick with Chase Edmonds. It, it seems like Miami discovered pretty quickly that Chase Edmonds was not a good fit for the way that they want to run the ball, that 49ers style. And now he's in Denver with uh, Latavius Murray and Melvin Gordon. The Broncos GM still says Melvin Gordon is the starting running back. Dalton, do we care about any of these three the rest of the season? I don't care about Denver. I know we'll talk about more of that later. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's this offense is so incredibly like putrid. It's a league low in scoring in first down conversions. The offensive line might be there's the center might be out for an extended period of time. It's already a bad offensive line. Russell Wilson has been inept at checking the ball down, even to running backs. Running backs in Denver have the fourth highest off-target percentage in the NFL. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to do that because the, the running backs are usually right there at the line. They're of pretty. Yes, they're they're fairly close. So you know, Russell um, Wilson doesn't do well with the short stuff. 
And and that's what I mean. Jace Edmonds is not like a between the tackles runner. He's a he's no. receiving back. Uh, so no, I want nothing to do with it. If I have him, he is definitely droppable. For he a- was, let's be honest, he may have already been dropped yes. in a lot of leagues. And if you and if that's the case, I am not looking to go at him again. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm. I mean, I'm done with it. I don't want anything to do with with Chase Edmonds. I I'm tired that I've supported him in his NFL career. And again, just like with the Bills trade, I'm so confused about some of the the market management of running backs by some of these NFL franchises, but that's a complete aside. Mm -hmm. Well, Chase Edmonds, uh, if anybody tries to tell you that well, he's getting paid six million dollars next year. Like he he's gonna be there next year. He he's he he should be the lead guy the rest of the way. I'm pretty positive that that money is zero percent guaranteed next year. He is probably not going to be on this team next year. I'm not concerned with 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 Chase Edmonds going into the rest of this season. And then the other side, Miami in a third trade gets Jeff Wilson back. And I know you're itching the sell, and I'm not itching the buy, but I think this is an upgrade for for Jeff Wilson. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an upgrade because the backfield in San Francisco was getting incredibly crowded and should be a one-man show. And Eli Elijah, Mitchell is going to be back at some yes, point. Yes, Eli Mitchell will be back very soon. It gives him a better opportunity. Um, Raheem Mostert has done a really good job as the starting back. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they want him to be the guy who has to handle 18 carries a game. They should years. not. They yeah, should he's not. 30 years old. Um, totally okay with that. It probably creates a little fantasy problem there for anybody who owns Raheem Moster or anybody who owns Jeff Wilson for that matter because they're probably going to split the work um, but I think it's it's an upgrade for him as far as opportunity goes mm. health will be a major determining factor in this but this is actually like a one-two punch between him and Moster instead of what we we had in San Francisco where it felt like a lot of people were doing the same thing mm. I mean I'm not too concerned about it from Moster because I, if I had Mostert on my team, would probably be pretty happy, unless I'm trying to sell him. If I have Mostert and I'm writing it out, I'm pretty happy about him getting less volume because I want him to actually stay healthy. I'd rather him be like in the 15 touch range than Mm -hmm. 20 and having the play 95% of the snaps, 90% of the snaps. Like, you know, he's been not quite that high, but in the 80s multiple times this year, I think. So, like with Naheem Hines, it may take a little bit for Jeff Wilson to truly have a role, but he is going to a system that he knows, obviously, um, with it being basically the 49ers run game. And yeah, he, he's got the upside where if something were to happen to McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell is probably going to be the lead back. I think now if something happens to Mostert, it's obviously Jeff Wilson's show and he can probably carve out a 35 to 40% role, which is at least worth a valuable bench spot on your team. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the more positive side of this trade than we have with Edmonds going to Denver, where I think it's, it's just going to be very poor showing all around for fantasy values. Mm -hmm. Um, Earlier, so not on trade deadline day, I believe it was a couple days before maybe like a last two or on Tuesday, no Thursday of last week. Now I can't, I'm losing trade. Maybe it was Monday. I don't know when it was. The Chiefs traded for Kadarius Tony, and it is pretty exciting. Dalton Kadarius Tony 
is not Tyreek Hill, is never going to be Tyreek Hill, but he can bring some explosion that can help the Chiefs replace some of the the easy yards that Tyreek Hill used to bring them that they don't really get right now. I think from a dynasty perspective, we all know that this is an exciting deal for Tony. From a redraft perspective, do you care about this trade this year for Kadarius Tony? I mean, I do. Uh, Kansas City obviously made this trade, seeing that there was a missing element in their wide receiver room. They've evaluated it and, and said, we definitely need an explosive element to this, which I think any Chiefs fan would agree that is missing right now. And of course, trading Tyreek Hill, you're never going to have that same explosive element. Mm-hmm. But uh, ball in his hand, Kadarius Tony is like one of the most insane playmakers in the NFL in a very short time period. From his, yeah, just what his yards after the catch, it's just like comical to watch him. He because, plays tag. Because, yeah, because he's so good and he's just really unorthodox the way he moves out there. It, you're right. I mean, it is like he's playing tag, like yeah. dodging kids on the playground. It's, it's really, it's bizarre to watch and also very impressive at the same time. Yeah, and if there's anybody in the league who can, like, draw up some designed plays to get him where they want him, it's definitely Andy Reid and Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes. Uh, The major concern, as it's been since the start of his NFL career, is his off-the-field issues. If you're not... Apparently, he's apparently healthy. He apparently hasn't been hurt the last couple of weeks, which, I mean, not too shocking with how things have went down that the Giants were just holding him out and looking to trade him. So, at least that. But there is other off-the-field concerns with Tony. Absolutely. But if you know Andy Reid's history as a coach, he likes players who have off-the-field problems because Mm -hmm. he's very good at kind of helping the locker room. This is probably one of the best locker rooms to walk into with veterans like Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes to kind of lead you on your NFL journey. Juju, another guy, a young guy who has done a good job at, you know, cultivating an on-the-field persona. Probably one of the best places he could end up. I... I'm concerned that some people are doing the Miko Hardman thing with him where like two years ago we were like Miko's gonna break out, he's the next Tyreek. Yeah. I we're not you can't do that. We're not doing that. We're not, Tony, but t- Tony is a more talented prospect than Nicole Hardman ever. Was. Yes. And athletically, way more athletic than Hardman. Definitely needed in the special teams game for Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> um I will say his biggest flaw is still his route running, yeah. which just is going to limit his upside in any offense. And he's probably going to not be seeing like a 70% snap share the rest of the season, just no. how deep that locker room goes. But, I mean, I like adding him. It's the Chiefs offense, and it's a player on the Chiefs. There's no reason not to add him. Yep, I'm I'm good adding him. And he, I mean, let's be honest, if unless you're in a league with very short benches, he was probably rostered in most leagues. If you have them, just hold them. Maybe, maybe you can sell off the excitement a little bit, like like we've talked about with some of these running backs. I think the odds of him contributing at a level to help a fantasy football playoff team aren't great, but I don't think they're zero. We, we, I mean, we we've heard some murmurs the last couple of days from from Chiefs press conferences, like Andy Reid saying, "Oh, well." You know, Mike Kafka, who was the former quarterbacks coach, him being the offensive coordinator helps him here because he already knows the terminology to our playbook. So he's a step ahead of like 
it wouldn't be shocking to me if he's another guy playing ahead of Sky Moore in two weeks because apparently everybody plays ahead of of Sky Moore right now. And it it does always take rookies time to get on the field for for Andy Reid on offense, especially receivers. Um, so I, I just think that he's a talented enough player that you stash him and you just see what happens because he is just so explosive. And it's funny. Did you read the the Chief of the North the the film breakdown of him where they looked I at, at week at week one? It, it, week one was like basically the only game he's played for the Giants this year, and it was like he could have easily had a hundred yards if his quarterback was any good whatsoever, which would probably just already that alone would change the perception we we have of Tony. So it's intriguing but obviously way more intriguing for dynasty is nothing more than a stash. They're stacked enough at receiver. And it's just rare that a receiver comes in mid season and truly performs, especially because like there's still a candidate for Odell Beckham jr. Down the road too, but yep, you're still stashing. Maybe you sell high right now, but he's a guy, he's the type of guy that the end of your bench is made for. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. Don't have, giant expectations for him and just see what works out as a juice mm-hmm. fan. It's super exciting just to see whether or not he'll work out. Yeah. And if we want to, you know, outside of just him being a talented player, if, if we want to hit on why this is exciting from a dynasty perspective, there are, is it two receivers under contract next season? Marquez Valdez Scantling and Sky Moore. I think everybody else is a free agent. And Travis so, Kelsey turns 34. 35 33 i think i think you had. I, I think he's 32 he um, just gets older every day <laughs> well he does as, as, <laughs> as, as do all of us so fair point but they're they add a cost control contract they have a lot of openings potentially at receiver next season so the long-term potential is is definitely there for tony absolutely yeah i'm excited um and who knows he mm-hmm. got there right during the bye. Perfect time to install the playbook and yep. get him coached up for what you want him to do. Yep. Okay. Speaking of uh, a long-term play, that is what the Jags did uh, with with Calvin Ridley. They traded for Calvin Ridley, and the pit compensation was so complicated that I think the initial report was quote a complicated pick compensation or something to that effect. Basically, what you need to know is they are essentially only going to convey as decent picks or decent pick the the main pick if Ridley actually gets back on the field and plays a lot of games so the Jags are are hedging on that so if you're just thinking about this from Dynasty which is all we can think about this Calvin Ridley trade really um, think about from that perspective it's not a shoe-in that this guy is back on the field because his team wanted nothing to do with him, and the Jaguars didn't exactly give up the farm to get him. But Dalton, I think this is really exciting for Calvin Ridley compared to what he would have been going back to in Atlanta next season. You mean 17 pass attempts a game is that where you want a wide receiver to be? <laughs> and I don't think Marcus Mariota is going to be their quarterback next year, but it's either going to be you know, a bad second-year quarterback or a rookie and not looking like one of the top five rookies because they are in first place in their division. Yeah, absolutely. I think from I mean the only way to evaluate this obviously is a dynasty perspective. Mm-hmm. Don't go picking him up and redraft. <laughs> um, 
But from a dynasty perspective, it's exciting because this is a third-year quarterback in a well-coached offense, and there's a very small chance any quarterback drafted is going to play better than Trevor Lawrence's third-year will in their first year in the NFL. Um, that's just a numbers game. I'm still in agreement with Nate Tice of The Athletic that everything is there for Trevor Lawrence. It's just mm-hmm. a few things are missing. The Jaguars are like, I think, sixth in the NFL in offensive DVOA. The problem is they're just – literally, they're just not scoring. Like, they're getting to the one-yard line and not scoring. Yes, that that is a problem. Part of it is Trevor Lawrence keeps throwing interceptions on the one-yard yes. line, so he should stop doing that. Um, this trade, to me, is kind of like, you know, hey, we have uh, – why go get Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs? We've got Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs at home. Like, that. that's what you're hoping for here with, with Trevor Lawrence and, and Calvin Ridley. Uh, you know, Lawrence obviously – a great prospect and similar to, to Josh Allen in a lot of ways from a prospect profile and Calvin Ridley. He's not as good as Stefan Diggs, but I think people forget how good Calvin Ridley really was. You look at 2020, which was the last year he was charted in reception perception. He's in the 89th percentile versus man coverage, 74th percentile versus zone and 81st percentile versus press man. He is a bona fide number one receiver probably one of the best 10 to 15 receivers in the NFL. Last we saw him, we don't know for sure that's who we're going to get the next time we see him. But, I mean, if we do, we've seen these young quarterbacks be helped out by big-time receivers like this multiple times. I mean, we're seeing it with Tua right now. We saw it with Josh Allen, with Stephon Diggs, obviously. Like, it could be a major boom for Trevor Lawrence to have Calvin Ridley there. And you mentioned the offensive DVOA. They're still moving the ball, um, even though they aren't scoring. And for as much as I think Christian Kirk is a decent player, he's not a one. And they don't really have any other receivers I'm excited about. I like ETN, obviously, as a running back. I don't, I, I've been on record. I don't like Evan Ingram. I'm not excited about the tight ends. Like Ridley can bring so much to this offense for Trevor Lawrence and for Ridley himself if he truly is right and gets back on the field next year and plays like we know he is capable of, or at least was capable of, I don't know, Dalton, he's a top what receiver next season. Like let's just, let's just say he plays a normal amount of games. We, we don't know where he's at from a physical standpoint, but just give him 15 games. Calvin Ridley is a top blank receiver next season. Well, I mean, for five games to start this year, Christian Kirk was a top 10 receiver. Mm -hmm. And I think you and me are both comfortable saying Christian Kirk is not as good as what what Calvin Ridley was. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you got to put him in in the top 12, I feel like. Really? So so next season, next season before – okay, maybe this is a better way to phrase it. Next draft season – just because we're not going to know any more about Ridley besides training camp reports about how he looks. We're not going to know much. Where Where is he drafted next season? Is he drafted oh, as a top 24 receiver? I'm putting him right in the running back dead zone. I Like the 3-4 turn feels like where I would feel comfortable taking mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley. I mean, we had, Mike, we had Michael Thomas who hadn't played football for two years in a worse situation. Yeah. Coming all the way up to the fifth and the fourth. I'm round. glad you said that because that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Like – Calvin Ridley, for as much as I am concerned about the fact that he will be basically a year and a half or more slightly removed from football, it wasn't because he was injured. Like, obviously, everyone remembers the, the mental health stuff. 
And then obviously we know why he's suspended right now, but physically there's been nothing wrong with him. So he doesn't have the same health concerns coming back as Michael Thomas. Now he wasn't as good as Michael Thomas, but I, yeah, I'm with you. And instead of taking a crappy running back right there, I'm totally good taking a shot on Ridley as like my wide receiver three. And I mean, if he hits, that's a league winner. Yeah. He's going to be one of those guys who probably starts the season out in May in the seventh round. And everybody says he's a screaming value till he hits mm-hmm. like the high third round when he's back where I think he should be drafted. Mm-hmm. Exciting times for Calvin Ridley. As a Calvin Ridley dynasty manager, I am thrilled with this development. And it's good news for Drake London and Kyle Pitts because if Ridley did come back, like that was kind of the shadow nobody wanted to talk about for those guys. Dynasty values is what if Ridley comes back and is not the one but is on par with those guys and hurts their value in an already bad offense. Now we don't have to worry about that. I feel like this worked out well for all parties. A rare double W um, from a fantasy football trade perspective, I think. Yeah, we just could talk about Kyle Pitts being the breakout tight end next year again. (laughs) All right, Dalton, let's hit a couple of uh, real or fake topics before we get out of here. First, Geno Smith, who is currently the QB7, is he um is it real or is it fake that Geno Smith is a must-start quarterback the rest of the season? It's real. Um it is so real, man. It is so real. <laughs> Let Geno cook. Uh, the thing about this, the athletic wrote a really good piece. I'd recommend anybody even slightly interested in football reading. It's like Geno Smith is a top-tier quarterback, and it goes through his progressions he's made throughout the year, how he's like reading the field and probably there was some Pete Carroll hate from yours truly on this podcast. That might've been an overstated. And I love how, I love how Pete Carroll just in their presser, basically like everyone's throwing Russ under the bus. Now, even Pete Carroll saying, uh, I think you guys are seeing now, like we, 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 we know how to coach. We we know how to coach offense. It, it, you know, it's work. We're doing more stuff now. It's like, Oh, Okay. Well, and it's wild. Tyler Lockett even came out and said, yeah. it's crazy what happens when no one cares about who gets the glory. Yes. Like, definitely, there was a locker room cancer, and that locker room cancer is now uh, in Denver, which is good because medical marijuana is there to treat it. Um, <laughs> so happy for him and his wife, Sierra. Uh, but yeah, the all of a sudden, the, the running in Seattle is not taking front and center. They're seventh in the NFL in pass rate above expectation. They have two, you know, top 20 wide receivers when it comes to talent in DK and Lockett. Their tight end game is running great. They're top 10 in the NFL in EPA rush. Like they are a good offense and mm-hmm. you want a quarterback in that offense. And especially the way uh, the NFL is being played right now and how bad quarterback play is outside of the top four. You yep. want a guy who can consistently put up points and he has playmakers around him to do that. I mean, Kirk Cousins is probably like a top a must start most weeks right now. And mm-hmm. I think Geno Smith is a better start than him every week. Yeah. Well, and like you mentioned quarterback after the top four being a disaster, you've got, you've got the top four and that's Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. Mahomes is fifth. I mean, he and hit a buy. Both, he and Hurts have both had a buy, although Josh Allen's had a buy. And he's yeah, well, Josh Allen is insane right now. True. Um, if you go by points per game, it's uh, Jalen Hurts too. Patrick Mahomes three ever so slightly. Uh, 
Geno Smith is number seven, right behind Kyler Murray. Marcus Mariota is number eight. So that is how bad it gets uh, quite quickly. Daniel Jones, nine. Uh, you mentioned Kirk Cousins. He is 12, and he's at a bye, so he's a little a little higher in points per game. And I think really all that needs to be said to drive the point home that he is a must-start is he has been safer and has had more upside than Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Matt Stafford. Three guys who were drafted as starters for probably every fantasy every fantasy league. There were those three guys were drafted to be starters for three different teams. I mean, so, Matt Stafford has one top twelve performance, and it was eleven. Mm-hmm. Like he's bad. Yep. So Gino only has one single digit game this year. He has four games over eighteen. I mean, he's had a couple games where it's been like thirteen points, twelve points. Not great. You're gonna get that out of yeah. most guys I mean, outside of the strange. top four. Yeah, and. If if you it, it, think of thinking about all those teams in these leagues that have Rodgers, Brady, Stafford, I'm starting Geno Smith over all those guys until proven otherwise right now. So he's definitely a must start the rest of the way. Yeah, I think he is. I think this Seahawks team is just fun. Um, and I'm just ready to jump in and, and watch the Seahawks play. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got three more here. We will get to we've got three different trade comments in in the chat so we'll get to those before we close out but we've got three more real effects and we'll get jump over to there dalton jerry judy is the only startable wide receiver in denver is that real or is that fake uh, i'm saying fake and it's only because two weeks ago this could have been Cortland sutton and we've been proven wrong mm-hmm. uh as of weeks one through six Cortland sutton was the wide receiver 13 he disappeared in the one game without russ and then this game uh Cortland sutton's expected fantasy points were wide receiver 16 he ended up with 2.3 points uh, in the same vein in those two weeks. Jerry Judy has done really well. I think this is going to be one of those flip a coin and one of these wide receivers will do well because there's only enough room on this offense for one player to uh, have a successful mm-hmm. outing, except for maybe Greg Dulcich, who might yeah. be the most valuable fantasy asset on the team. Uh, so no, I'm saying it's fake, but, what I do think is real is that I do not want to start anybody on this offense if I do not have to. Yeah, I'm saying it's real, and I I don't want to start Cherry Judy if I don't have to, but I'm good with doing it. He's the wide receiver 27, Sutton wide receiver 35, and Sutton, he has like eight total points in the last three weeks. He has not topped, I think it's either 23 or 24 yards in their last three games. It's been bad and the thing with judy that at least gives me a little bit more confidence outside of the recent swoon for for Cortland sutton obviously is kind of what i said before the season now i never expected the denver offense to look like this but i did have some concerns with sutton just because he's not a separator and i just questioned if that was really a natural like the perfect fit with Russell Wilson, like everybody said. I, I really just think that – now, did I think it was a good fit? Yeah, I thought it was a good fit. But I thought that Judy had a chance to be the the better receiver and the better deep threat just because he, he just gets more open than Cortland Sutton. And Russ isn't playing well right now. He needs his receivers to be more open than not with, with the way he's playing. And I just think it's, it's as Judy and I'm with you that I would just rather not with either of these guys, but you got to start somebody. If you got Judy, you probably have to start him on your team and I'm, I'm good doing it. Even if I prefer not to. 
Yeah, I would try to get off of either of them. I, I would try to trade. You can't trade Trent Sutton right now, but mm-hmm. Judy with his last two weeks being good weeks um, for somebody who I think might not be a name value, but somebody who certainly is just a better player. Looking at the list right now. Now, okay, you probably can't make this trade because this guy's also played really well. I almost put DJ Moore on the believe it or not, but I, I just <laughs> want to wait one more week before we talk about DJ Moore. But DJ Moore or Jerry Judy, I mean, that's wide receiver 24 and, and 25. I'm looking at standard. Um, that's wide receiver 23 and 27. So pretty close to back-to-back. Yeah, and both of them just not have been a very bumpy ride for everybody. Here's one that I actually think you could make this trade if you wanted to. Um, Jerry Judy or Curtis Samuel rest of the season. Curtis Samuel, wide receiver 24 right now. Jerry, Jerry Judy, but I don't want to. I don't want either of them. I'm with you. I I think Samuel's another guy that I'd be looking to sell because I think Jahan Dotson will be back at some point, hopefully, and that that's going to hurt uh, Samuel's value. By the way, shout out to Terry McLaurin. Did you see the catch that Terry made on the one yard line late late in that game the other day when he mossed him? Yeah, he literally <laughs> took the ball from a defender. Just unbelievable. Nobody has had to make better catches and put more effort into six for 75 uh, lines than Terry McLaurin in the last couple of years. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Believe it or not, real or fake, you should start Jamal Williams every week. I'll let you start on this because Jamal Williams has very famously been one of your your favorite mid to later round guys the last couple of years. Jamal Adams, Jamal Williams, loves anime, which means I love Jamal Williams. Um (laughs) Last year, I said he could easily be a top 24 running back, and he was just waiting a year to do it. Um, I'm I'm going to say it's real for two parts. One, running back by committee is the state of the NFL right now, mm-hmm. and you just want to get the right committee to be a part of. This Lions defense plays cover zero at the highest rate in the NFL, which means a lot of points are scored on them because guys get burned. Mm-hmm. Um, that means their offense has to put up a lot of points. There's just something wrong with DeAndre Swift. Uh, yeah, and in practice today, and it's like, oh, he has a shoulder and ankle injury. It's like, great, the guy just came back. Like, and I think he, shoulder even, ankle even injury is like if, every week for him. Even if he plays, it's just like, God, can this guy just quit stressing me out one week, please? Yeah. Like, I can't imagine having him on my team, and and I, I can't imagine actually because I've had Chris McCaffrey for the last couple of years on on teams, so yeah. it's basically like that. Yeah, and I mean, he got 10 snaps or 10 plays last week that he was a part of. Mm-hmm. And Jamal Williams is the goal line back even with Swift healthy. We know that to be true. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's a, an average NFL runner. He's not great, but the Lions' offensive line is great, which leads to a lot of easy runs for him. Even weeks where he's an inefficient runner, like week one, he was 11 for 28, which is two and a half yards per attempt. But he had two touchdowns. I mean, that it's there for him, no matter how he looks at it. Um, and the Lions are going to continue to lean on him. I think the loss of Hawkinson is probably a little bit of a benefit to him. He can probably get some of more of those cruddy dump downs. And I mean, with the way Swift is health wise, I it's it's good to have him because he can start some weeks for the Lions. Mm-hmm. So I have a Jamal Williams take, and I I haven't done the the research to really like say for a fact that this is true 
but just my gut feeling is I would rather start him when Swift is playing than isn't <laughs> playing because when when Swift is out, we automatically say, okay, this guy's a top 12 running back this week. And this is the main reason I wanted to talk about him because I do think the answer is yes. I don't think he's like a top 24 running back if I were doing every week rankings, but I think if you have to flex at least one position in your league, like you'd be pretty hard pressed to have a team where you're not starting Jamal Williams, I think, but it's at least borderline. But what I do think is if Swift misses time, don't start him over your RB one or RB two, because <laughs> it, his value comes from the team moving the ball and they move the ball more. I mean, that's with everybody, but these big games, these big explosive games he has are all because of touchdowns. They aren't because he put up a hundred total yards. He's more likely to score touchdowns with Swift moving them up and down the field than without Swift in there moving them up and down the field. Now, of course, he fumbled the week before on the goal line, uh, so he could have had a touchdown then. But the big games are with Swift in the lineup. So my take on Jamal Williams, and the main reason I want to talk about him here, is don't start him over – I don't know. I'm looking at, at a list here. Don't start him over Miles Sanders because DeAndre Swift isn't playing in a certain week. But you do feel okay starting him on a regular basis. You just did the Galaxy Brain meme where it's like <laughs> DeAndre Swift is a good running back. Jamal Williams is a better running back. DeAndre Swift is better with Jamal Williams. And then the Galaxy Brain is only start Jamal Williams when DeAndre Swift is healthy. <laughs> I wouldn't quite go that far, but close, close. Like I, I bet I'd have to look at his game log and from the last couple of years and, well, and really, one of the games really flesh that one out. But it, his explosive games – are all when Swift is in there. I just, I, it just, I feels will say one way. of his games that um, Swift was out was the Seattle game where he had 108 yards on the ground and two mm-hmm. t- TDs and then a, a receiving. T- he had three total touchdowns that week. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but so one of his explosive games came without Swift. Yeah, no, but it's also Seattle's defense. So, yes, you know, uh, I like the take. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 there is some reason to that, which is they move the like their offense is more efficient with. DeAndre Swift in the lineup. And, and he's he's very touchdown dependent. I think he's a touchdown dependent running back two slash high end RB3. I think that's what he is with, with Swift in the lineup. And when he scores those touchdowns, he can add up to the RB12, which is where he is right now in, in rankings. Yeah. Love me some Jamal Williams. Okay. This one's sad. Uh, Hunter Renfro. He should be dropped before he has started again for a fantasy team this season believe it or not believe it and if you are an nfl offense with Devonte adams and Devonte adams scores negative fantasy points to finish the week <laughs> you probably don't want to ever consider starting any other pass catcher on that offense mm-hmm. because the floor is the floor for them um Floor. I don't know what to say about Las Vegas. Like that is one of the most putrid offensive showings in the last 20 years of the league for the talent surrounded by Derek Carr. Um, Derek Carr is trash. He's horrible NFL starting quarterback. He's fool's gold and attaching any value next to him is not good. Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator made his entire name with Tom Brady. We've seen how that works out for other coaches. Looking at you, Mike Patricia, it's just not it, it's just not good. I mean, 
like you're they have made Devontae Adams a borderline wide receiver one every week instead of mm-hmm. a must start wide receiver one. Um the only the only thing on that offense that even looks good is Josh Jacobs, and that's because he's doing it himself. And even yep. then he had a bad week. Well, um, they scored zero points. Yes. He just didn't have a chance uh this last week. Sadly, I'm with you. If I had Hunter Rimfro on my team, I don't think I'm dropping him yet. Um, honestly, I I just think I would be holding it because for as good as Jacobs has been until this week, and for as much as I love Jacobs, I, I think we all think that he's going to fall off a little bit. And I just kind of want to see what that offense looks like when Josh Jacobs isn't rushing for 150 yards and multiple touchdowns. And also when they're not scoring literally zero points um, in the game. So I'm still hanging on with Rimfro, but I'm not starting him. I mean, if you had the guess, did, did you look at where he ranks among receivers before this podcast? No, but I'd probably put him in the sixties. Give me a number. 64. He um, keep in mind he's missed multiple games. Um, he is wide receiver ninety seven right now. That is so bad. Didn't we have a bet for? Yeah, that that hundred rim for a bet <laughs> probably probably shocked for me. Oh, he probably shocked that up as a loss. But he's he's missed two games. But it's not it's not like it's never just that when you're this low in the rankings. He's averaging four point seven points per game. Some guy named Chris Moore for the Texans is averaging 4.8 points per game. Deami Brown, 6.2 points per game in four games, ranks higher than Hunter Renfro. Uh, Jamal Agnew, 4.4 points per game, just barely lower in points per game. LaVisca Chenault, 5.6 points per game, but he's only played four games, so he ranks below. I'm just like looking around, like Sterling Shepard tore his Achilles six weeks ago. And he is a decent margin ahead still of Hunter Rimfro. Uh, let's find another funny name. Dante Pettis. Remember that one fifty-something yard touchdown he had in Week One? That is still enough. When for Trey him to Lance have, was still in the NFL. Have fifteen more fantasy points than Hunter Rimfro right now. I it, mean, that's just depressing. It is awful. It is awful. You can't even think about starting Rimfro. And if you want to drop him, I. I fully support anybody who wants to drop Hunter Renfro at this point. Me personally, I am trying to hang on. But, I mean, if my team's 500, below 500, and I have to make a move either this week or obviously waivers have passed, thinking about next week, depending on how things go, like Hunter Renfro is the first guy on the chopping block on, on all of my teams that he's on. This comes from a guy who, who believed in him. I do still believe in him. It's the... Everything else that is the problem right now. Would you rather start Ben Skoranek or Hunter Renfro? Well, I bet you Ben Skoranek has more fantasy he points does. than he definitely than does. Hunter Renfro. Uh, back Braxton Berrios has more fantasy. I mean, just like naming the guys, it's just hilarious. Michael Thomas hasn't played in, in six weeks. He has more. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins has played two games and he has more fantasy points than Hunter Renfro in in five games. So it it's bad. I, I could have never. Never imagined. I even think, though, I think you could have never imagined it would be this bad for Hunter Renfro this season. No, not even close. Especially with, if I would have told you Darren Waller is going to miss, I don't know how many, how many games has Waller played. He's missed multiple games. I think he's played four games. So, God, 
Waller ranks so low on tight ends, I can't even find him. Tight end 26. <laughs> Darren Waller's played five games this year, so Renfro's also played five. But if I told you both Waller and Renfro played five games, you would obviously you would know they're lower in the ranks, but you would think both of them are much higher than tight end 26 and wide receiver, whatever it was, 97 for Hunter Renfro. It's just been 26. Because we thought that those guys that part of the problem for them was going to be that they were going to burn into each other's workload. And they both had games without the other and it has not mattered for either guy. Little did everybody know the answer to the Raiders was less Derek Carr. (laughs) The answer to the question for the Raiders was nobody outside of Josh Jacobs and, and Devontae Adams. And the more you think about it, the more you probably shouldn't be too shocked by that, but we still are a little bit. Uh, a couple of trade questions, Dalton, that we can get to before we hop out of here. From Edward, uh, is it Zhang? I, I hope I'm not saying your name too wrong, Edward. He just made a huge trade, and he just wants us to grade the trade, basically. He gave up. I, I don't know what format will grade this as, though it's half-point scoring. It says full PPR at the end. Oh, at the end. There we go. Good eye. Uh, he gave up Lamar Jackson. Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, and Mike Evans. So this is one of the this is a Brian Clark special. Trade half my team for half your team. <laughs> uh for Jalen Hurts, DeAndre Swift, Jalen Waddle, and CD Lamb. And he already has Kamara. Uh good to know. I I am taking number two, door number two on this trade, even with the DeAndre Swift uh heartache that you're going to have every week for the rest of time. Getting Jalen Hurts is a big W. Um, depending, I know, but with, with the quarterback landscape this year and how good Hertz has been getting Hertz is a big W. I'm assuming you've been starting someone probably pretty bad and unreliable at quarterback. That's probably cost you multiple weeks. You'd probably have two more wins if Jalen Hurts has been your quarterback all season. So that's probably a big positive for your team. And then while I am still a believer in Dalvin cook and think he'll bounce back, like if Swift is healthy, I definitely lean Swift there. And then Jalen wall, I mean, I don't know what more to say. I called this guy a bust, not because of him, because of who he was with. And it's been the opposite of the Rimfro thing where the situation has not mattered. He is a top, let's see, what is he overall right now? He is I the wide six. He is wide receiver four in half point scoring right now. It's not going to keep up like that, but he's just awesome. And then CeeDee Lamb, Dak Prescott being back obviously helps that outlook. So I'm I'm all for that side. Those are all young and exciting guys for guys who are older and not very exciting. Yeah. Too. So and it just makes your team more fun. That's what I was saying when I was looking at it. I was like, man, this is like the, the grandpa lineup for the youth lineup. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. I agree with everything you said. I like too as well. Uh, Hertz is just having a way better season than Lamar in part because he's better weapons around him. And CD is like going, he's, he's quietly the wide receiver 10 in PPR. Yeah. And he's going to get. He's going to have his breakout game. Well, he's he's had. he's ten and a half point per yeah. reception actually as well. So I think the breakout game is coming. There are going to be some woes with Swift, but it looks like AK is back. So I love that. And Fournette is like a TD or bust. And Mike Evans was saved by a fifty-one yard catch last week. Mm-hmm. So love that for you. I think you won it by a mile. You sold name value for the some of the youth where people are probably a little little reticent on their mm-hmm. outcomes. Agree. Um, should this guy trade is it Isadav, trade Tua and Joe Mixon for oh and Chris Goblin for Leonard Fournette and Jalen Hurts? 
Uh, first of all, I love the avatar of Naruto and Sasuke fighting. Super cool. <laughs> uh, team AMA. Uh, looking at that, I'd probably keep Tua Mixon and Chris Godwin. Yep. Um, the Bucks are the second worst rushing offense in the NFL right now, in part because of Leonard Fournette, in part because they just suck with an offensive line. Um, Jalen Hurts is a big week winner, but Tua's kind of shown to have that when he's healthy. Yeah, Tua, Tua's been awesome for fantasy and good for, for real life, I'd yeah. say. Joe Mixon leads the league in rushes inside the five-yard line and only has two touchdowns he's converted. There's some positive regression there. And Chris Godwin's getting like 13 targets a game. I think his target distribution is more sustainable than Leonard Fournette. God, please let Chris Godwin have an explosion week sometime soon. I mean, we, we've called some explosion weeks the last couple of weeks when it was just Johnny and I. We, we had a couple, you know, and the George Kittle one being like that one probably felt that one felt bad at the time. And, and it happened like just remember that it is like he has zero touchdowns, Chris Godwin, this season. And he is getting targeted out the wazoo. I don't believe the Bucks are going to get back to what they used to be, but it's not going to be this bad the rest of the way. And I still think that Fournette is kind of trashy. And I think that Goblin is probably one of the best 15 receivers in, in football, 10 to 15 receivers in football. And also, you know, you look at points per game, Tua's like quarterback, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, six. quarterback seven in points per game. Generally, if I'm making a trade in redraft and I'm trading quarterbacks, I like trading the better quarterback for the slightly worse quarterback to upgrade at other positions than vice versa. Yeah. And to be fair, that's seven in points per game, including the Bengals game where he was carted out. Yes. So yes, he's averaging almost 20 points per game. And I, I bet you, if you took out the game, he got hurt. It would be higher. I just don't have the bandwidth yeah. uh, to do that at the moment. So I'm, I'm I'm with the the two of mix inside of this. I'm still hanging up. And Chris Goblin. At first, I thought Goblin was on the other side. Then I would take it. But, yeah, I agree. But um, two, I like I really like trying to get hurts, but I wouldn't go too hard on selling the farm, especially with how dominant they've been. There are just going to be games where you wish he played more, and he's not going to because they're going to be up by so mm -hmm. much. Last one before we get out of here: trade Aaron Jones, Deontay Johnson, and Alan Lazard. For James Connor, Mike Evans, and Juju. Oh, he made the trade. So we're just grading the trade here. Thoughts? Thoughts on this trade, Dalton? Who uh, first? See you in here a couple of weeks in a row. So happy to see you again. Dark Din Dark Dan. Dark Dan. DDD. I like the DDD logo to go with. The yeah, that's pretty cool. I love that. Um, I mean, I know I said bad things about Mike Evans just a minute ago, <laughs> um, but there's still elite touchdown upside with him, and I think Tom Brady gets better. I like well, and Mike Evans is just thousand yards, eight yeah. touchdowns most seasons. Yeah, all I seasons like, he's a thousand yards actually. I like your side of the trade because one, you're getting off the Packers offense, which is putrid. Aaron Jones is the only good asset on your side. Deontay Johnson is stuck, stuck in a horrible situation when he's back. James Conner is a touchdown or bust dependent player, but you know that and you get a lot of clarity on that. The usage with Aaron Jones has been frustrating. And then Juju had two really good weeks going into the bye. I think and, his, and it should have been better because yes. the, the penalty on McKinnon was just complete crap where Juju caught a touchdown. So he's like the wide receiver. I had it pulled up earlier. He's like the wide receiver 29 right now, averaging eight and a half points per game. But I bet you if you just took the last – we won't even just do the last couple of weeks. I bet if you just do the last, like, month or so, 
Yeah, he's a wide receiver 16 in his last three games, averaging 15 and a half. Juju is definitely trending up, and you've seen that connection with Mahomes getting stronger. And for me, that's what flips this trade toward Dark Din Dan. Yeah, I agree. I think one-to-one, Aaron Jones better than James Conner, Evans better than Deontay, Juju better than Lazard. And you're getting off bad offenses for better offenses. And as bad as the Bucs have been, they have to go up with Tom Brady at quarterback, you feel like. Yep, and as you said, Mike Evans has still managed to to salvage his days, and he will probably continue to do so because we talk about guys all the time that are we think they're going to regress. We either say they're going to regress or we let other people say that these guys are going to regress because we know better. And Mike Evans, I think, is a guy that we have learned over the last couple of years, Dalton, to say that we know better that Mike Evans is going to regress because every time we say it, He'll just go catch one one ball for five yeah. yards and score a touchdown and at least just get you by until that next game of 10 catches for 150 yards and a touchdown. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, two weeks ago, he had disappointing performance, but he was also a drop away from a, I was gonna a say, 14 points and a touchdown. How Easy. much How much different? Like, there's no way you can make this trade if Mike Evans catches that touchdown against the Panthers. There's no way yeah. that this trade's available because that Mike Evans owner, just he would, he would just think a lot more highly of him because that, that's how – that's how our brains work when it comes to this stuff is it's all re- it's results. It's hard to look at the process because as the losses pile up it, at some point, you're like, I don't care about the process. But if you're in a position where you've got a decent record, you can hunt for value. You can hunt for the guys who you think are going to start playing better. That's always a good position to be in and trade talks. Yep. <laughs> Johnny, you're getting pretty excited down there. <laughs> I can explain later. Okay. All right. On that note, I, I'm going to get out of here so I can I can hear what Johnny is literally uh, doing a, a double pump on, on the bottom uh, where Dalton and I can see him. That is going to do it for episode 89 of the Half Warmper Podcast. We appreciate you guys jumping in the chat. Always happy to answer trade questions, um, any questions, start set questions of that sort. Um, subscribe on Twitter, Instagram, or follow on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at half point per pod. Subscribe to the YouTube so you can jump in the comments and ask us questions going forward. Half point per pod. The link to all of these things in the show notes, as always. Leave us a review anywhere you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple, etc. That's very helpful uh, for the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we hope you all have a fantastic fantasy weekend. And we're getting closer to the trade deadline. Maybe a trade deadline for fantasy football uh, show coming up pretty soon. We'll talk to you guys very soon.